Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Benji Boxer. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Parsec. I'm Chris Dixon. I'm the co-founder CTO uh, at Parsec. And, you know, here we are. <laughs> ready to start talking. Yeah. I was recently introduced to a developer that works for the company Parsec. The developer, Jamie, gave me a pretty cool demo of one of the things their software does, which takes a local two-player game and allows you to net play it as if it was a two-player over-the-net game. I thought that was pretty cool, and I was especially intrigued by some of the other things they were working on. And when Jamie said that their home office was right here in Manhattan, I wanted to go down, meet the CEO, and do an interview. So they were very gracious and took the time to talk to me and answer all of my crazy nerd questions. Uh, But first, I started out asking them just to describe what Parsec is and what their goal is with their software. Yeah, so, I mean, I think generally Parsec is really all about our streaming application, which Chris and the engineers have really spent a lot of time perfecting, you know, from the nuances of mouse handling to controllers to frame consistency and things like that. So... If there's one thing to think about with Parsec is we are 100% focused on our streaming application and then what we use that streaming application for or the way that we productize it is a couple ways. Uh, First off, we make it so that people can play games together online. So if you have a local multiplayer game and you want to invite your friend over to play the game, uh, you can do so virtually through Parsec and just have the two of you playing online or three or four as well as creating parties of people to join you online so you can be randomly matched like the old lobby systems on games. And then additionally, another way that that product is used is for gaming, what's called cloud gaming, which basically is you can play games without owning any hardware. So using a Raspberry Pi, for instance, or a Linux machine to play, you know, Overwatch or the latest uh, Fortnite or, or things like that, using um, just really low-powered hardware and being able to access that and start machines and stop them and get access to them so you can play the games that you want without having to worry about all this hardware. While the Parsec software has a few different features that I thought were very cool, I asked that they start out by explaining the thing that I think all of us can grasp, the ability to play PC two-player local games across the Internet. It uh, it basically stems out of um, kind of like us kind of working on the tech early on and, and thinking about how it could be used and it kind of struck us one day like well maybe it's not just for connecting to like a remote PC maybe it's actually for connecting to a PC while somebody else is actually sitting there with it and maybe they have a game uh, and there's a friend somewhere else who wants to play and you can play together um, and so we started to kind of design the product around that uh, and build some features around it uh, and had the ability to kind of stream to multiple people uh, and then that's how that kind of came about. It's the same kind of, 
it's a sort of a duplicated stream to multiple people at once. And we've done some work around kind of managing controllers and um, some of that stuff to kind of make it usable on that front. Uh, it actually supports unlimited people, but I guess it's logically limited by your bandwidth. So <laughs> unless you have like, you know, ridiculous number, you know, number of gigs, uh, probably two to four is, is the reasonable limit there. So to break it down, um, it sounds like the features can be used for something like if you have a one uh, a two-player game that doesn't support netplay, you could use Parsec to link up two people remotely. But it also sounds like you could probably use it for something like LAN play, but over the internet, over WAN, not LAN. Is that mm -hmm. correct? Uh, yeah, and any combination of those really. Um, like you can, you can have like a basically like we call it a WAN party. Because um, you can kind of have like a LAN party in the cloud, sort of. Uh, we did a couple of those at our old office, um, where you can just kind of like fire up a few cloud machines and just have like a, a remote LAN party. <laughs> so yeah, we've noticed like a lot of people use Parsec to play their old favorites. Like yeah. um, people, you know, Parsec is a is a is a product for today, but for people who love those moments of sitting on the couch together, passing the controller back and forth, playing like GoldenEye, you know, I, I'm, I'm a big GoldenEye Stacks fan sort of thing, but uh, different games like that, it works, you know, the same way. And now you've got all this resurgence of indie games being released, and a lot of them are local only co-op co gaming or multiplayer gaming, and Parsec really just extends the value of that game and really gives these uh, game developers an opportunity to kind of spread the word about their game because let's say you own uh, the, a new game like Cuphead or Overcooked, right? And I sort of want to try it and play with play the game with you as my friend. I can connect to you, try the game, play it, and then maybe I'll download the game, buy it myself because I had a lot of fun playing the game with you. Well, yeah, I mean, I would, I would follow up with that. Like, talking about the goals of the product, um, I mean, I think still one of our primary goals is to just create the best, you know, the best version of this type of tech that exists. And that's really like, for the engineering team, that's really like our mission statement. It's just whatever it's used for, we want to make sure that it's as good as it can be. Um, and we're always looking at how to reduce the latency as far as it can possibly go, what tools are out there to help us do it. Uh, it's a very low level app. So, you know, we, we've gone as close to the metal as we can get to try and squeeze everything out. Uh, and so, like, that's kind of our promise to the users is that, like, yeah, you know, whether it's co-play or whether you're cloud gaming or however you, you want to use it, uh, it's going to be the best thing that exists. <laughs> At least that's what we try to do. <laughs> the other main feature of the Parsec software is the ability to play whatever games are on your PC on other devices. This includes things like Android tablets, as well as the Raspberry Pi, which I found pretty interesting, uh, and I asked them to talk a lot more about that. Well, yeah, you, you hook up your Raspberry Pi, you set up, uh, you set up Parsec on a PC somewhere, whether, whether you fire up a cloud PC with us, or you, know, you find one on your own in the cloud, or it's your PC, or a friend's PC, you get Parsec on that thing, you turn it on, uh, you get Parsec on the Raspberry Pi, and you know you, you hit it, you log in and hit a couple buttons, and you're connected, uh, and it it works very well. Um, the Raspberry Pi, particularly, uh, it, it's a really cheap little thing, but it 
can do what we do abnormally well. Uh, so I really like that thing. Yeah, I think um, we really also like it because of the, you know, the Raspberry Pi itself has this ethos of, of like the DIY community. Mm -hmm. And we really want to see what people can do with their Raspberry Pi and Parsec. Um, and that's and that community and that aspect of Parsec, you know, Chris has done and the team have done a really good job making almost every option available um, in terms of how you use the product and the and the configuration options. So you can try different things, play with the play with the app, launch the app programmatically, do different things like that. Um, because we want to see what people can do with it. Right now we're on uh, we're on Windows, Mac OS, uh, Raspberry Pi, Linux, and we officially support like a, I guess it's a, a one generation old LTS version of Ubuntu. And I guess if people see this who are Linux users, they're probably going to say, "When's it going to work on the new one?" Uh, soon. What I leave out. Is that it? Raspberry Pi? And Android. Yeah. So, so Android including tablets and cell phones? Yeah. yeah we, we designed mainly for the, for the phone, uh, but you know, Android being what it is, it does work on Chromebooks uh, that support it and any other Android device, Android TV even, um, so, or Android phone, or Android home, whatever they call it. It runs really nice on a, on a bunch of Android TV um, hardware. Right. Uh, and it, really the idea behind this is that we believe that the future of the world in terms of in terms of gaming at least is that every screen should be able to do what you want what the, and have access to your your games your play your games you can bring it with you you don't have to be tied down to your hardware so you know if there's a screen in some office that you work in and you want to play games on it you should be able to do that with Parsec. And that, uh, that technology um, really, because like, we also think that there's no reason why you should be carrying a really expensive phone in your pocket too. Like it should just be a screen that's got access to your games and, and everything like that. So it's kind of the, the ethos, the future of, of where this is all going at the same time. Yeah, because kind of like just looking at it from like a philosophical point of view, it's like if all the components keep getting better around this, then one day it kind of has to be as good as running it natively. Like, if the if the internet continues to get better and, and lower latency and, you know, the, the video the video compression gets faster, which it continues to do, uh, you know, all the rest of it continues and rendering gets snappier, higher frame rates, everything just is going up, eventually it'll kind of converge, you know, it's like, Will I be able to tell the difference between the native and something streaming a hundred miles away? Um, so we're just trying to be along for that ride, I guess. <laughs> so from a technical standpoint, um, Parsec is loaded on the user's, let's just say, PC for now. Um, and does that essentially become the cloud server that the user's other devices connect to? Yes, exactly. So if you have somebody that's already invested in a very fast internet connection and a decent set of um, primary hardware, you'll significantly benefit from that because you're streaming from that PC and from that internet connection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, right now, a good internet connection is really important with Parsec. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, some of the work we're doing now is on, on extending sort of the support to lower quality connections because kind of when we released it, it was built around like 
your typical connection, but right now we're trying to kind of make it work on not, you know, the fringe kind of uh, choppier connections. But yeah, it's important. Yeah, I mean, I think like even um, some of the hardware manufacturers are taking notice of the value it brings to the gamer who buys the expensive, buys or builds the expensive PC. In this case, it's for those who buy the expensive PC, but HP, for instance, has licensed Parsec and pre-installed it on every one of their Omen gaming PCs because they see it as a lot of value to those people who are you know, paying a lot of money for those Omen gaming PCs and want to be able to access it when they're not at home. Um, and the same is true for people who go, you know, the PC master race who go out and build their own PCs. You should be able to use Parsec to get more value from that PC because we don't believe that cloud gaming is going to replace all gaming, uh, all gaming hardware. That's just not the case, at least not for the next few years. We want people who have their gaming PCs who game a lot to be able to get value from Parsec by installing it on their gaming PCs and, and, and you know, inviting friends to play with them or maybe connecting when they're away from home. Yeah. I own a gaming PC and you know it's not like top of the line but it's pretty good and I can play most modern games on it but you know Parsec is just like a useful tool to have kind of in your toolkit like you're somewhere else it's good having it there right because you can you can have access to your gaming PC when you're like at a friend's house or at work you didn't hear it here but yeah at work you know <laughs> boss isn't looking just you know Really easy. Oh, yeah. it's, all time. it's yeah. really easy to to dive in and dive out because you can just like one key and it's gone, and then like one key and you're exactly where you left off. It's so, like that March Madness. Uh, yeah. Like, have you ever seen that where you can press the button and it pops up an Excel, a fake Excel file? Yeah, right. That's kind of. Do you guys know where that originated from? No. Tetris. Really? One of the original Tetris versions. Um, they actually made it. But one of the biggest complaints was from people who were playing at work. So they had an escape key that would bring you to a DOS prompt, and you had escape again and bring you right back in. Does it look like you were doing something businessy? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's funny. That's awesome. As you could imagine, with software like this, my number one concern would be how much lag is added. I wanted to ask the team as many questions as I could, uh, and I made it clear that I wasn't trying to steal any of their secrets or uh, you know any of their intellectual property. I just really wanted to know exactly how their software was working to try to figure out exactly how much lag to expect and how it would work overall. I mean, that's one of the things I'm the most focused on personally. You know, like I, as a gamer, for me, the most important like quality aspect was always like the frame rate and the latency. Like I would, I would sacrifice almost anything else to have good latency. So I'm very sensitive to it. Um, and you know, you talk about like giving away secrets. Like I feel like there's the the only secret is just spending a lot of time with it and finding out all the little tricks uh, to make it good. I mean, I know that's not like a rallying cry, but it's like it's not like a secret algorithm. But that's what it is. It's really these these bits of technology are are kind of hell bent on like buffering is good for the device in general like it it, it plays nicer uh, it's like nicer on the resources everything wants to buffer by default almost always mm -hmm. um, and like we are constantly trying to like go against that we're always trying to tell these you know whether it be like the decoding stuff like the video processing stuff or the rendering or whatever it is we're always trying to shoehorn no latency into it. Um, and it takes time and a lot of testing, a lot of me just like 
is this faster? You know, just like in the training zone and overwalks. That's one of my little test grounds, just like killing those training dummies for two hours. Is this that? It's a little choppy. Like, you know, so it's a lot of that. It's really a lot of that. Um, Watching Chris play uh, Overwatch in the yeah, training They're area. really good at killing those training guys, <laughs> you know. He can predict so, where they're going to be. Uh, yeah, <laughs> they don't move. It makes it easier easy to hit them. Well, some uh, move. But... <laughs> yeah, actually, some of them do move. Yeah, you're right. Um, but, but yeah, it, it's just doing that over and over again. And then, and, and as I said, it's a, it's a low-level app, so which comes with its set of challenges. Um, but, you know, I think that... For, I think it's paid off for us because we've had the access and we've had the tight control over everything that we we do. So uh, while you know when the app was first released, it was pretty hard to use, um, and it was like you would get a lot of errors when using it if your setup wasn't just right. Uh, but now I think we've we've kind of had our cake and we're eating it too, whatever the expression, we're, we're eating our cake. Uh, because, you know, we finally have caught up kind of with getting it more broadly supported and we have the deep control over all of our, all of our components. Um, so, so yeah, that's sort of long-winded answer to that question. Yeah, I mean, I think a short-winded answer is, uh, I think, you know, Chris is a bit modest, but like all the effort that him and the engineers have put into uh, essentially, you build everything from the ground up, I think, yeah. is, is a really key area. Like, it's easy to make the decision to take another library and use that library because it gets you there faster. Parsec could have been built a lot quicker if we had done that. Yeah. Uh, but um, it wouldn't have been as, as performant as it is today. Yeah. Additionally, you know, uh, another thing that the team has done is built a networking protocol specifically for this because you know networking is a big part of it yeah I mean the, the the internet was built for the infrastructure of today was not built for what we're doing it was built to get documents from one place to the other without losing any information right um, and we're doing something very different yeah and you know all that all that helps like just building everything custom just for the use case you know like with our networking protocol, it was tough to get that off the ground, but now that we have it, uh, it it's like 100% customizable, you know, and it's, it's built just for low latency game streaming. So, you know, we can tweak everything down to the lowest, you know, the lowest possible lever there to try and optimize it for this use case. And we don't have to kind of work with some out of the box solution. And I mean, it shows like our core library, one thing I'm proud of is that our core library is like, you know, we, we use this thing called Electron for our, for our UI, and it's, it's a little big. It's basically all of Chrome. <laughs> you ship all of Chrome. So it's like 50 megabytes or something like that of everything that Chrome needs. Because uh, it's like a browser. It's basically your app is the browser. Um, but the core Parsec library that does all the streaming and stuff uh, is, is like 8 megabytes. Um, it's, one, it's one static uh, file. Um, and, you know, uh, you know, we just like we like to keep it really lean and and sort of you know custom. Uh, so yeah. Now on this, um, the custom networking protocols are they um, are they set up in a way where you could take a you know anything that's not a junk router and then tweak the port forwarding and the settings and the, the packet prioritization mm -hmm. so that on the on, on both ends I guess you could prioritize routers for Parsec to actually just gain that you know a couple of microseconds. 
over it? For your router? I mean, you could probably subject to like some of the, the quality of service stuff in the, in the router. Mm -hmm. uh, unless, there's, unless you've told it, I think, to, to not behave by default, which should, which should probably give you the best behavior for Parsec. Unless you've told it to prioritize something else, I would think you'd be okay there. Yeah, um, and you don't even have to do the port forwarding. Port forwarding, we've done a lot of work on that traversal. So, um, you know, we, we fire off some UPnP, which you can disable, uh, because there are, you know, it's, you know, it's not the most secure thing in the world, but it's useful. So if you don't want it, you can disable it. But we, we have it on by default to help you make a connection. Um, and, uh, yeah, just your, your standard sort of NAT traversal techniques. Uh, our numbers show that we, we get through the routers and the firewalls probably about uh, 90, 97% of the time. So we're doing pretty well there. We're just, and we just, we just kind of flipped on IPv6 by default too, which is, uh, you know, trying to be like a responsible, you know, internet, internet citizen here and like use the new addresses and, uh, but it also helps with, with getting around, uh, getting through the firewall. Uh, Do you get a performance boost with IPv6? Or you know, some people say yes, some people say no. Uh, chances are, if you use it, you're probably going through newer hardware. Uh, it also enforces certain minimums that are, that are advantageous. Like, like in, for IPv6, your packet size has to be larger, which can help. So you don't have to deal with like, you can't fragment packets. There are a few things about it. Um, I would say it's probably performance-wise generally the same, but you know we like to we like to support the new stuff. <laughs> While I was trying to understand how exactly lag was added using the Parsec software, I started to realize I was imagining it all wrong in my head. I had pictured something like a capture card that captures the video as it comes out of the PC and sends it down the network, but in actuality, the Parsec software reads the game as it's still being processed in memory and in the video card, allowing for a potential zero-lag solution over the same LAN. I did want to push a little bit further on different ways that lag could be introduced, or if there's anything that could be done to reduce it when necessary. Uh, there are a lot of moving parts, um, and the, whole, the latency can be introduced by a ton of different things. Um, and, you know, there, you think of the general pipeline, you've got kind of like capturing, encoding, networking. The one thing you'll never get around unless you're kind of making deals with the internet service providers is uh, your network latency. So if you've, got, if you've got a 15 millisecond ping somewhere, you're always going to have at least 15 milliseconds of latency. Nobody's going to do better than that. Um, unless you can like work with the ISPs to like have them route you better. Um, that's, as, that's as good as you're going to do with the product. I mean, if you're local, it's basically zero, which is nice. So if you're doing it for in-home stuff. But, uh, like, there are a lot of ways latency can be introduced. And one of the things that, that makes it challenging to work on it is that you can easily take, like, one step forward and two steps back. And that you try and optimize one component of it, but what you did with that component ended up, you know, freaking out another little area of the pipeline and you introduced a full frame of latency with some, some new buffering that it's doing. Mm -hmm. So it's like you're always kind of playing whack-a-mole with, with like a trade-off, trade-offs between like, and there's always a trade-off between like jitter and, and latency. Well, obviously the lower latency you go, the more jitter you're going to have because you have zero buffer. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we, we, we don't like, we've done a lot of work to have like basically zero frames of latency that we introduced introduce but 
also not drop frames uh, on a win. So, you know, we, we have a lot of kind of like, we have a lot of advanced techniques around like timing those frames to make sure they come in smoothly uh, so that you don't, you don't notice the jitter. Um, there's a lot to it, you know, there's like a lot of, a lot yeah. of ins and outs. <laughs> like, it's pretty impressive. So yeah. basically you have in a LAN environment, you know, assuming all the bits and pieces work, yeah. decently fast PC or gigabit Ethernet, you're not using a $20 router from Target, but you've almost achieved close to zero lag, or is it sub one frame well, on like, the same LAN? It depends how you, like, it's maybe a little misleading in that, also you're limited by the speed of your video hard processing hardware, so like, if you can only decode at 10 milliseconds, if that's what your hardware decoder supports, then uh, then yeah, we can't get past that either. We're going to use that, and that's going to be on top of any other latency. So we're, we're beholden to certain certain components. Obviously, we do as well as we can. Right? We we implement all of the hardware decoders by from scratch. Mm -hmm. So we do as well as we can with those interfaces, right? To like squeeze it down, right? But after it goes as low as it can go, that, that's where you're going to stay. But like in between that, right, like there's a lot of, a lot of hiccups around rendering the frames, presenting the frames, a lot of hiccups around capture, um, and obviously the networking we talked about. But um, that's kind of like where we've, where it's a lot of like trial and error, and, and it also responds completely differently sometimes on different hardware, right? Like a different video card might work a little differently with the driver. Um, and you know you've got to you got to produce something that kind of like works well on a broad range of things. Just because it works well on my machine here doesn't mean like that's the right solution. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it is getting it out into the wild and getting feedback and like pulling the levers. You know. Um, what are the measurements you guys have found for the lag in that scenario? It's uh, like I think what Chris is trying to say is that it depends on your hardware so much, um, but. You know, in our testing, give you a concrete example. Yeah, in our in our testing, yeah. it's like one frame of lag. Yeah, that that would definitely be one frame. I mean, you might actually get actually depending on what you have, you might get that like by the time the host machine swap it. You know what I mean? Like so, you you can one of our one of our um, one of our our coworkers ran a test where uh, it was on a LAN, and he actually got the frame on the on the client machine before it swapped on the host machine. So it pulled and was shipped over and it hadn't yet been displayed. It was only in the buffer, right? It hadn't yet been displayed on the, on the host machine and it got flipped, it got swapped on the client machine before it showed up here. It, we have a high-speed camera where it's like, you're in the future. You know? yeah. <laughs> well, we have, on our blog, we have an article that kind of walks through how we test this stuff mm -hmm. and we use a thousand frames per second camera. Um, we have a setup where it's like, uh, a, like there's a little button, a little light that flashes when you click the mouse, and then you can see when it, how many, uh, literally how many frames it takes until it shows up on the other computer. Mm -hmm. And what Chris is saying, I mean, just because um, takes me a long time to understand what he's saying, but what he's saying is that you know on the GPU there's two, there's a front buffer and a back buffer, and uh, the front buffer is what you see uh, on your monitor, and we're grabbing off of the back buffer and shipping that. So before something moves from the back buffer to your monitor, the front buffer, you're, you might see it on the on the client machine. Right. This is sort of assuming like the standard. I mean, I know people go a lot higher than this now, and you know, there's like all these crazy, you know, refresh rate 
monitors out there. Um, we still kind of, we still base everything off of 60 hertz. Uh, so what that means is like, if you can get the frame like captured over the network and to the, the client machine in less than 16 milliseconds, you're basically not going to experience, right? And then you have VSync on, which most people like to play with. Um, you're, you're, you're basically, it's one frame, right? Because it's getting there as fast as, as you could possibly see it. See what I'm saying? Next, we talk about their cloud computing platform, which is a way for people to not have to own a very big, expensive gaming rig and actually rent cloud computing space to run Parsec off of. Also, of course, we talk about the price. Well, it's free, so that, that makes it, I mean, a bit easier. Um, <laughs> the, the element of connecting to your friend and playing with your friend or playing on your own computer is free. If you uh, are going to rent a cloud machine, we are essentially passing the rate that you would get as a consumer through those cloud providers to you. So you have to pay you know, to rent that machine. Um, in the future, we're going to have uh, what we're calling, hopefully maybe calling Parsec Warp, which will be kind of like the premium version, just like Discord has, has Nitro. Mm -hmm. We'll have our, our uh, premium, which will not be anything like all the features that you have now, all of the features that make Parsec amazing, which is the streaming stuff and all that, and the co-play and, and party finder, that'll all be there forever for free. It'll be like themes and essentially an opportunity for you guys to, to sort of support Parsec uh, and all the work that's being done here. So you didn't mention that at all, the, the cloud computing side of things. Can you kind of explain just what that is altogether? Sure, okay, yeah. yeah. I mean, real quick, it's Parsec. You come into Parsec as a marketplace of providers. You can choose which, which location, what type of GPU you want, and you click build, essentially, and you build it. Um, and it's spawning a, a machine in the cloud for you. And then all of the technology that we've been talking about, about connecting to your friend or connecting to yourself, you can use to connect to uh, you know, this virtual machine in the cloud and kind of eliminate the need for you to have uh, a, you know, gaming hardware at home. That being said, we, it's really best for people who are playing five to 10 hours a week. It's not meant for, for, uh, for replacing, you know, higher usage than that, it's, too, it's just expensive. And, um, and it's just better to buy your own gaming PC in, in that situation. So, um, but if you're trying to play a game when you're on a work trip, or if you're trying to play a game when you're, uh, when, you know, or maybe let's say you don't play as many games as you used to, uh, kind of like I think Chris and me both, um, you can play a couple hours a weekend on, on a cloud machine. Yeah. And do you see a performance gain, or is it the same as just a you know for a medium medium powered game? I'm not talking about crazy things, but just you know the tower fall on a, a home PC versus the cloud. Is there an advantage? Yeah, I think on it's about the same. Tower fall, I would say the same. Um, but there there are a couple things related to performance. Like if you have an old PC, uh, you will see a performance benefit because these PCs in the cloud are pretty good. Um, and so like they're, they're like modern 900 or 1000 series sort of GeForce card equivalents um, depending on how much you want to pay and uh, like they can run the modern game like AAA titles um, but the other thing is too like 
we have a lot of users on Mac OS uh, who like to use it just because even if there is a Mac version of the game, a lot of times it's not very good. Mm. Like it technically works, but it kind of sucks. So, you know, sometimes Parsec is a good option there because like you get the PC version. <laughs> I mean, frankly, I have uh, I have a Mac and uh, you know for work and everything like that. And uh, my favorite game is Civ Six. And although I know it's not like a high intense game on my Mac, you know, it eats the battery in about an hour if I play with Parsec. Uh, connected to a cloud machine, you know, my lap doesn't feel like it's on fire, and uh, and it runs, you know, much better graphic version of the game. It, you know, the turns are a lot faster, and my computer battery lasts five and a half hours because it's only using the monitor and the and the uh, ASIC uh, decoder right. on, the, on the PC, so it doesn't have to use any of the GPU or anything like that. Very little, yeah. Little for rendering. That's it. After seeing what Parsec could do, I was really curious if the team had talked to any hardware manufacturers about partnering up, and kind of what their thoughts were about that and having it actually come with certain devices to enable this remote functionality right out of the box. Um, I mentioned the HP Omen deal where uh, we're letting you kind of gain access to your HP Omen computer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, generally, you know, we think that I, we think that Parsec. It should be um, platform agnostic. So, like, the idea that you should be buying hardware specifically for a specific game or locked into a a certain type of environment is kind of against our ethos. Um, We think that you should have the freedom to play any game on any device. And, um, you know, we hope that maybe Parsec does a little bit of of its part to eliminate the console era. Um, and and move from that. So, and are you guys totally positioned in that, or, or is there going to be any work to actually move consoles over a network? Uh, tough I to say. Would, yeah, <laughs> I mean, kind of like what we're doing by default is you could envision the console of the future just kind of being a Raspberry Pi, and you know, or something like that, and you know. It, there's not there's nothing to it. It's like not like the specs on that thing matter, you know, and, and the thing just streams from elsewhere and that's your console, right? If that's good enough, you won't care because that gets you your games. Yeah, um, like why why do I need to spend an extra eight hundred dollars on the new Xbox One mm-hmm. S? Right. Right? Like I can have a, a thirty dollar Raspberry Pi and I'll get a better GPU today and yeah, I mean I don't um, know. The, well, yeah, as they as I said earlier, is like the gap closes in the perform like that. It will perform, but the console natively will perform better and more reliably than, than the cloud will. Um, but even today, if your connection's good enough, it's sometimes really hard to tell the difference. And it's just getting better, you know. Mm. And it's sort of inevitable that as the pieces all kind of fall into place, that that would be the way you kind of want a game. Like you, you want a cheap device that. You know, as long as the like the the pricing wasn't egregious, you know, like obviously people aren't turned on by the idea of like everything turning into a subscription. You know, it's nice to know you own your stuff and your game and everything. But if the pricing is reasonable and and the console itself is cheap, it's a Raspberry Pi. It's a pretty attractive way to play That's games. All, but it goes beyond, in, in my opinion. Yes, it's great. You have this Raspberry Pi connected to your TV. But then I would move away from my TV and I've got my laptop and I connect to the same gaming hardware and my game is at right. the same spot my save is in the same place 
I've got everything there. Right. Like, I moved from Raspberry Pi to my Mac to my Android tablet to my Windows PC at work. Like, everything's the same. I'm, like, in my own environment. Right. Why, would I, why would I ever prefer to have a box that sits in my living room that I can only use in my living room and I have to upgrade every four years and for four years it has an outdated GPU. Yeah, and they, on, in the cloud gaming model, um, you know, the hardware updates on its own. So like your game, like one day you log in, your game might be running on different hardware. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's not like you're locked in. Uh, you might all of a sudden just get a huge performance boost uh, depending on kind of the, the economics at play. And that's the dream, as Benji was saying earlier. Like, things are expensive in the cloud now, they're hiccups, it's a little tough to use, but I mean, we're pretty optimistic about where it's going. Um, and and even in the interim, doing some of this like co-play stuff, and, and there's a lot of people using emulators uh, as well, um, that, that don't have like a good like, you know, net play kind of solution. Mm -hmm. uh, that's fun too, you know, that's that's fun to be involved in. And like, it all it all sort of based around the same tech that we, we like love working on so. Um, do you have pricing structures already laid out? I mean, is there something you know? Do you uh, like how does the pricing work for the cloud? Well, I think you know. Well, for now, the way the pricing works is you pay you you um, deposit some money into your account and you get uh, and it draws down on that amount. Yeah. Okay, so it's good it's for people. It's by good. The hours. Yeah, it's good. It's good for people, especially who are just trying to see what up, what's up with cloud gaming, right? <laughs> And give it a try, see how the how the experience is, and there's no commitment to it. I do believe, though, that if you're going to get into a subscription model, it's really important that it comes with content, right? Like, people are cool subscribing to Netflix because they get all this great content. Mm -hmm. At least that's how I think about it. Um, and same with uh, same with like Spotify, you get all this incredible content. Um, I believe that in the future, the the cloud gaming element should come with content, right? To be subscription, to be worthy of a subscription. And how is that set up with Parsec now? So if I were to go, uh, you know, deposit some money, um, do I have to install the games myself? Do yeah, have the games up there. Do I treat it like it's my own PC? You treat it just like your own PC, and because you're on AWS or Paperspace or some other exciting providers that we're going to have soon. Um, you're on like one of the best internet connections there is, and sometimes the download server for the game is like sitting next to your cloud machine. <laughs> so it's good, so yeah. it like you download Overwatch in like five seconds. Yeah. So it's pretty, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, this is pretty cool. You got me psyched up. Nice. Uh, any last things to say? Anything you wanted to add? But no, you know, I think from my standpoint, it's great to have you here. Thanks a lot for coming to the office. Um, and it's really cool that you connected with, with Jamie, one of the engineers on the team, mm -hmm. and she kind of made this happen. So I think it's really a great opportunity for us to, to get in front of your audience. And you know, we have a great feedback channel through our Discord server. Um, there's almost, I think there's more than 10,000 people in that server now. And um, we just love hearing from the community and, and having people try Parsec. So mm -hmm. thanks a lot. Yeah, thank you. After I left the interview with the Parsec team, I couldn't stop thinking of all the different scenarios in which I might use their software. 
I thought it would be cool to try some kind of emulation over the internet so I could play a two-player NES game remotely. I'm not sure how that would work because a lot of those NES games really rely on zero lag, but it might be fun for something like Bases Loaded, an old baseball game I love to play. I also really liked the thought of shifting a game from my main PC to my TV because a lot of the main complaints I have about PC gaming is that I would just get too distracted if I'm in my same PC environment. Because if I'm in front of a computer all day long, if I'm in that same area playing a game and I see something pop up or I'm tempted to check my email, I might leave the game and get sucked into a different project. Whereas when I'm on my couch, I could just sink in, space out, and really enjoy the game. I'm also really intrigued about the cloud gaming part, part of it because there have been a few PC games that I wanted to play, but I didn't really have a fast enough video card, or maybe my PC is actually tied up very often, either rendering video or running some other project I'm working on. So just the thought of renting cloud space just to be able to play a game whenever I wanted to and have it run through the Raspberry Pi is definitely something I want to try out. And whenever I get around to it, I would actually enjoy doing a live stream to see how my whole internet connection and setup would handle that. Basically just renting cloud space, playing a PC game through the Raspberry Pi into my TV, but split off that signal to also capture it on my laptop so I could do a live stream. That's a bit of a ways away, so for now I recommend anybody that's interested just sign up. As they mentioned, the software itself is free, you only have to pay if you want to rent any of the cloud space from them. So overall, it just seems like something that would be fun to try, and a fun experiment to run if anybody wants to try it with emulation. Well that's it for this time. If you liked this video, please subscribe to my channel, and consider supporting my Patreon, as I really want to make more videos like this, and get in front of more amazing companies like Parsec that are really doing something unique and different. I also have a weekly podcast that talks about everything going on in the retro gaming world, so please sign up and join us for next time.